one great thing that's happened is they just get to spend a lot of time with each other. And I know that they're going to walk away from this as best friends and that they're going to look back and have these great memories of, of this place or that place or this activity or that activity that they got to spend with their siblings. Um, and there's been rough times as well where they haven't gotten along, but it's also taught them how to deal with that and, and how to um, be in close proximity to someone even when you're not getting along and how to get past that, how to get over that. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Today we are joined by Megan and Daniel Tenney. Thank you guys both for being here. Yes, we're excited. Thanks for having us. Well, Megan and her husband Daniel have been traveling full-time with their four young kids for almost two years. In early 2020, after 12 years of blogging on her first site, Megan founded Family Gap Year Guide, a new site and course that teaches families how to enrich their lives and strengthen relationships while following their dreams of seeing the world. Sounds amazing. Any family, Megan says, that wants to travel full-time can make it happen. You don't have to be rich or an influencer, just a regular family with Wanderlust. So I am so excited to get to hear how you guys have made this work. Um, can you start just by telling us a little bit about yourselves and about your family? Sure, yeah. So um, I grew up in Maine and Daniel grew up in Arizona, so complete opposite sides of the country. And we met when we were both in college and we had a summer job as theme park entertainers. Uh, <laughs> we, we've always done um, the performing arts. So I was a theater major, he was a music major. Uh, we met singing and dancing together and fell in love and eventually got married and uh, lived in Arizona. So I moved out to Arizona. We lived there for 13 years, something like that, and uh, had four kids. <laughs> And how old are your children now? What's their age range? So our oldest is 11, and he's a boy. And then we have a girl who is nine, another boy who is almost seven, and another girl who is three. Okay. So still kind of fairly young. Yeah. But starting yeah. to hit that sweet spot where they can start, like, buckling themselves in. And <laughs> yeah. everyone can be a little bit more independent. I feel like this past year, my youngest just turned five, but just over the past year, I was like, I think I'm entering a whole new phase of mothering now. <laughs> this is great. Definitely. Yeah. When we were, when we started traveling, our youngest was still in diapers and maybe about a year into it, we were at um, his mom's house for like five weeks. And I said, we're potty training, this is going <laughs> to happen. And then we're going to be done with diapers forever. And it worked. She was ready. And oh yeah, we're definitely next uh, into that next stage, I think. Yeah, so fun. Well, how did you guys come to homeschooling? Were you homeschooling even before you kind of took your family on the road? And how would you kind of describe your homeschool personality? 
So no, um, homeschooling was never really on our radar. We've both been classroom teachers um, and just kind of always thought we'll put our kids in school. So it was kind of the traveling came first. And to do that, we had homeschool. So it's kind of how it worked. And that was one of our big concerns with our kids and their education. Are we going to be able to keep up with that? And is that going to be a positive thing for them? Are we going to make that work? So what yeah. have you kind of seen over then the past two years? How has that worked out? Well, our oldest two were already, they had already been going to public school. Um, actually, it was a charter school, but really similar. Um, and they were in accelerated classes. So we originally were only going to do a year. We're just going to take up the one school year. <laughs> now it's like two years later. But um, and so we weren't too worried because we're like, well, they're ahead. So if we like worst case scenario and like we teach them nothing the whole year, which we aren't worried about, but we're like, if they learn nothing, then they'll be right where they need to be. But we've found that the one-on-one -on -one or four one-on-four as it is, um, they can go so far so fast. So it was, it was a concern, but it didn't need to be because they, you can just go so far with them yeah. when you've got that one-on-one -on -one attention. And that was a, a bit of a struggle with our second, our daughter, who had never had to work very hard at school. <laughs> school true. was always just real easy. Just put in a little bit of effort and then read your book for the rest of the day. And when she had to realize that, no, dad's going to really hold you to it and he's going to make you work hard. And if you already know this, we're going to move on to the next thing. Um, there was, there was an emotional back. wall to get past, a little bit of pushback. For sure. And another challenge was our, our third child, so our second son, it was, he was supposed to start kindergarten, so he wasn't quite reading yet. And I was like, uh, that means we have to teach him how to read. Um, and that was daunting for me yeah. uh, because our, our oldest son, I remember he went into kindergarten. He had some sight words but wasn't fully reading yet, and I remember trying to teach him and just getting frustrated and realizing I didn't have the ability to teach my child how to read. And then our daughter, she just woke up one morning and knew how to read when, before she even went to kindergarten. She's always been a natural reader. So yeah, it, it fell upon us to teach our son um, to read and but an awesome reader. Yeah. I guess that's probably mostly thanks to you because he does the book. Of the <laughs> yeah. So Daniel, you are the main, they're the primary homeschool educator. What do you see are some of the benefits of having dad as that homeschool educator? Well, I can tell you about my personality and how I kind of approach it. Even when I, I spent 12 years as a classroom teacher, and even then, I, one of the things that I really tried to do was to teach independence and to really foster that sort of you know, self-driven uh, kind of learning, um, which meant, I mean, if I took a day off, my lesson plan said, first period, they know what to do. Just let them do it. Second period, they let these kids run the class. Third period. So, you know, I had kids taking role and kids that were in charge of this and kids that were in charge of that. And that's really translated to the way that we homeschool. So I've tried to be, to set up structures and to set up ways that they can be in charge of their own learning, ways where I don't necessarily have to be on top of them 24-7. That was a big struggle at first was 
I had three kids at three different levels who were clamoring for my attention and I hadn't really set up any sort of structure or system for them to know what to do. And I was being pulled in all these different directions and pulling my hair out. And uh, over time, I start, sort of started to figure out the systems and the, the ways to, to structure it. Yeah, so while we don't follow like a specific homeschool curriculum, you might say that we've kind of developed our own system of doing things. So we kind of pull from a bunch of different resources. We use Duolingo and you know a bunch of different uh, resources that are out there, but we've developed this really great um, system of kind of how to keep track of like everything that they do each day, how they report back to him, anything else. Yeah. 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 And and I feel like it's kind of morphed into not just their school day, but their everyday life. Like they know they get up, they get ready for the day, they are in charge of their own breakfast. Um, and then they get started on school and they know exactly what's expected of them every day. Yeah. I feel like the ability to pick and choose just the right things for your own family and not to try to fit into somebody else's box is one of my favorite parts of homeschooling. And yeah. also, I love what you were saying that you just sort of, you get up and everyone knows a pattern. And it's not like a rigid, like, and then at 5.05, you will do this and, and like, in that way. But it takes out that, that decision fatigue of like, well, what comes next? I don't know. And you don't have to like always be on them to do the next thing because yeah. you just know what's coming next. Yeah. Decision fatigue was a real thing for a while. And, uh, you know, something else that I was big on as a classroom teacher and I'm still big on now is you know, always tweaking and always kind of trying to change and always kind of trying to figure out a little better way of doing something. And that's kind of how we've gotten to where we're at now. Yeah, and another great thing about having that routine is there, because we're always traveling, that part of our life is not very constant. So every month the kids are waking up in a new house, um, but their routine pretty much stays the same. I mean, it's kind of cool because in new places it gives us the opportunity first of all, to just look at the system again and say, what tweaks do we want to yes. make? Um, but also what unique opportunities are in this location? Um, you know, whether it's the house itself maybe has something unique or it's nearby um, a historical site that we could go visit and then kind of incorporating those into um, their learning for the month. Um, yeah, that's been really yeah, because when you're traveling, that is some built-in education and learning right there. And I'm just so curious how you kind of got started on this adventure and if you've always loved to travel, if you had always talked about, let's take the family on the road or how did this all come to be? Because it sounds magical from the outside. I think all of us have that thing like, one day I'm just going to get in the car and go, but most of us don't. But you guys have actually done it. That was us a lot. That was us a lot. And oh, if I was a billionaire, we'd just travel all the time. Yeah, anytime I would get upset, I'm gonna say it. Okay. He would say, I'll burn the house down. <laughs> we'll just we'll just burn it all and go. A little, a little extreme, but he was like, We can leave everything. We can get in the car and go. And like it's actually kind of really sweet because he's like, that's more important. Like our family's the most important thing. And if this isn't working out, like we'll go find what will work. And finally it kind of, I mean, it kind of came to that. And we were like, yeah, we need, we want something else. Um, but yeah, we always kind of love, we always love travel. Yeah. I, I traveled a lot growing up. Daniel didn't so much with your family, right. but he um, traveled to Asia to serve a mission for two years. Um, so 
uh, that was probably your first major yeah. travel experience was halfway around the world. Um, but then because we moved out to Arizona and my family was still in Maine for a while, we drove across country several times back and forth and we'd always try to hit new places, uh, take a slightly different route. And then we started doing it with our kids too. When they were born, they each got to have their own little trip to Maine after, after we had a new baby born. Um, and then, yeah, once we realized that we could do this, like it, um, it was actually a possibility. Um, and in my course, I talk about um, the fact that if you are willing to really cut those ties, that all of your bills kind of go out the window. Like if you don't, if you're willing to not have a home base to come home to, which is what we did, we sold our house more. And all of a sudden we don't have utility bills anymore. We don't have landscaping bills. We don't have pest control bills. <laughs> like all of these things that all of a sudden you have this chunk of money and, and we realized it could be spent on our lodging for every month. And the, the financials actually worked out. So, you know, like you said um, in your intro, you we're not rich. Like <laughs> you don't have to be rich to do this. You just have to kind of know the tricks of the trade. Yeah, and I guess make your life really match up with your priorities. You had something that was important to you, so you had to make a choice. Like you to say yes to one thing is to say no to something else, and you were able right. to really take what your was important to your family and make that. That's work. a good point. Yeah, that's a good point because it's always going to be some kind of give and take. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that would just not even consider it because they're like, well, I'm not going to not going to sell my house. I love my house, or I I couldn't imagine not having that anchor to come back to. Um, but the other thing is it's not permanent. We're not going to live this life for our entire, right. you know, our entire lives. The, the idea was always to eventually, well, and the reason it came about is because we were in Arizona and I grew up in the East Coast and was kind of missing it and we loved the beach. And so we were kind of thinking, well, maybe we should just move to the East Coast. And we're like, well, if we're going to move across the country anyway, why don't we just sell our house and then take our time getting there and like go here for a month, go here for a month. And now, Two years later, we're, we still haven't <laughs> settled down yet. Well, what have been some of the unique challenges or maybe the unique benefits that you found of road schooling, having your kids on the road with you as well? Well, one thing that, one great thing that's happened is they just get to spend a lot of time with each other. And I know that they're going to walk away from this as best friends and that they're gonna look back and have these great memories of, of this place or that place or this activity or that activity that they gotta spend with their siblings. Um, and there's been rough times as well where they haven't gotten along, but it's also taught them how to deal with that and, and how to um, be in close proximity to someone even when you're not getting along and how to get past that, how to get over that. Well, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know how much I love including poetry and other beautiful memory work in our family's homeschool day. But if you've wondered what are the best morning time poems to include, well, I have a free printable for you. Head to humilityanddoxology.com slash 100 morning time poems, and you'll get to download a list of 100 of my favorites. And then be sure to come back and let me know which ones your family has enjoyed. Um, it's, it's really kind of taught us that, and it's really kind of taught them that. 
also like to be adaptable because you know you just said like what do you do when you're around someone all the time and you're kind of annoyed by them like we lived in west virginia for a couple weeks and we had this big house with three bedrooms two levels like all these extra rooms and then a few weeks later we were in brooklyn new york and we were in like a one and a half bedroom apartment with like the living room was had to be a bedroom and there was one bath it was just super tiny you know and you can't go out in the backyard and play because there is no backyard plan uh, so we've lived in definitely a lot of different places which is kind of a challenge but also a benefit yeah you know they become adaptable and then uh, you know the other benefit is being able to see all these different things like in west virginia we hiked part of the appalachian trail and in texas we learned about um the alamo and we went to the alamo <laughs> Um, so that's neat. It's, and it's fun too when our kids talk about different places. I know we're from Arizona, but the other day we said something. We're like, oh, that's in Tucson. And Vanessa's like, I love Tucson. And I'm like, <laughs> she, knows, she knows what Tucson is as opposed to Florida, as opposed to Washington State. You know, they have these memories specific to the different places they've been. I love that they kind of have that knowledge of yeah. different areas of the world, or at least this country so far. We're supposed to. Um, our next big plans were to travel overseas, and though we would be there right now, except for the coronavirus, that kind of derailed our plans. So in the meantime, we're just traveling, continuing to travel the U.S. and see spots that we haven't seen yet, and eventually, hopefully, um, make our way over there. Well, do you have a favorite place? I'm sure you, you may both have, well, I guess it might be the same, but you might have different places. What's been a favorite place and, and why that you've gone so far? We have the same like top four, I think, <laughs> and we like have a hard time narrowing it down. But we really, really like New York City, and we really like um, South Carolina, um, the Grand Strand area. In fact, that's kind of where we're looking to maybe possibly settle down eventually. We're not ready to do it yet, but at some point. And you really like South Padre Island, Texas. Yeah. That's our four. Forget our place. <laughs> I really like okay. Orlando. We had a good time in Orlando. Maine, maybe? Maine. <laughs> Maine, but only in the summer. Only in the summer. I've been to Maine one time. I, I was a teenager and it was August. And so I just remember the water was still so cold. And I, I actually looked back with a little panic. Like, I can't believe I was <laughs> in the water. It was so cold. I couldn't move yes. my legs. It never warms up. It doesn't at all. <laughs> no, it's just for you. You just grin and bear it until you're numb from the neck down and then you have a great time. Yes. Well, you guys have mentioned that this is something as kind of a road lifestyle, a travel lifestyle is something that's accessible to any family. And I guess I just want to ask a little bit about logistics for maybe a family who isn't willing to make the big jump and go for several years on the road or sell their house. Um, is there sort of like different ways that families can, can try this maybe in smaller chunks or kind of what advice would you give to a family wanting to dip their toe in this idea? Yeah, for sure. So uh, something that we utilize almost always is Airbnb. Um, and the cool thing about Airbnb is the owners kind of price it out uh, however they choose. So if you, one of the things that we noticed is if we're willing to go kind of anywhere like if you have a really specific destination you're going to be beholden to what the prices are there and the cost of living but if you just want to travel there's other places available that might be on the cheaper side 
And, you know, if you're not going to go all in and sell your house and do all of that, it might mean saving up ahead of time. Um, it might mean, yeah, like you said, going for a shorter period of time, maybe over the summer when the kids are out of school or something along those lines. Um, one thing that we like to point out is a lot of, there's a lot of um, similar courses out there that try to teach people how to travel based on the fact that they're going to be like an Instagram influencer. And one of the things that we talk about is we are not influencers. Like, yes, I have a blog. It is not my full-time income. I work eight to five, Monday through Friday at a job where I can work remotely. Of course, everybody's working remotely right now, but that's one of the major yeah. things is if you have a job that you can work from anywhere, then you're, you've got a ton of freedom. Yeah. Uh, more so than, you know, if you have to show up at the office Monday morning and we both ended up with online jobs and that's when we were like, well, we can be anywhere with Wi-Fi. Yeah. I was yeah, telling my ways to make it work for sure. I know some people um, will Airbnb their own home out. Yeah. So if it's not, if you don't want to sell it, um, then maybe you can put it up on Airbnb. It gets booked. You use that money to go somewhere else. That is so smart because then you don't have to go through the permanent, like rent it out to someone for an extended period right. of time too. Mm -hmm. I was telling my husband I was going to be talking to you guys and I was like, you know, because he works, he's an engineer, so he works in an office, but like everyone else, he's working from home in our bedroom mm -hmm. closet right now. And he was like, you know, if this has taught us anything, it's that really you can work from home. So let's yes. go somewhere once everything opens. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're wondering, you know, how many businesses are going to pivot now and be like, oh, everybody's working from home and this is working out. Maybe we don't need to pay for that office space anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is a destination that you have not yet gone as a family that you're most looking forward to? All the places. All the places. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all these. Um, one state that we've never been in is Kentucky, which is kind of funny because Kentucky is bordered by, I think, seven different states, and we've been in all of them. <laughs> but we have, we have this thing where um, you can like picture a map of the United States. Uh, we color in all the states where we've had like a significant experience in. We color those green. So if we've just driven through a state, like that doesn't count. But we've been in it, so we color it yellow. And if we've never even been in the state at all, it's white. So I think we have seven states that we've never been to out of the 50. And then I think maybe another five or so that, we ha that we've just driven through. So it, it can be even something small. Like we drove on our way to Seattle. That was our first stop on our family gap year. We drove through, oh, um, sorry, Idaho. And we stopped at a, a, like a little drive-in diner restaurant. And they served baked potato ice cream potatoes obviously being a big thing in um, Idaho and it was just ice cream but it looked just like a baked potato. It was like um, vanilla ice cream with cocoa powder, um, whipped cream on top that looked like sour cream. It looked just like a baked potato. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing to eat and so we were like okay well that was an experience that we had in Idaho. Check. Really, I love that. We're looking forward to Europe. Uh, that's where we that's that's where we want to go next and part of the advantage of this kind of lifestyle is literally anywhere in the world it's possible so you know we're gonna pack up and once it's a possibility we're gonna pack up and get on a plane and and do this same thing 
around Europe. Yeah, and um, as long as we're in the U.S., we have a minivan. That's how we, you know, a lot of people are like, well, are you in an RV or how do you make this work? I'm like, well, our minivan seats seven and there are six of us. So mathematically that works out. <laughs> um, and then we have like the, uh, the below the floor storage compartments so and in the trunk. And when we left on day one, that car was packed to the gills. And since then, we've refined our packing process. So it's down to like two bins and everybody has a backpack. And it, we kind of... Um, we're thinking ahead to we're going to fly to Europe so everybody's got to just have a backpack because we can't you know drag bins of stuff and big luggage all around we just need to learn to live out of a backpack and so we kind of transition to that and we still as long as we have our car we take a couple of extra luxury things maybe some extra um, clothes but we've learned how to live out of a backpack and that's all in the course too. <laughs> And nothing will teach you minimalism more than having to carry your crap around. <laughs> because if you don't need it and it's getting in the way, it's underfoot, it's having to be, you know, moved around or, or whatever, like you just get rid of it because it becomes way too, it, way more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. And we've narrowed it down really to two things. You need yeah. clothes and you need screens because yeah. I need my computer to work. It's also my primary form of entertainment, you know, streaming Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And I've got a Kindle that's, you know, I read, I'm not going to lug around 30 books, but I can lug around one Kindle and read 30 books on it. So yeah, screens and clothes. Yeah. <laughs> this is all you need in your life. <laughs> well, I bet that kind of minimalism and that simplicity will probably affect the way you re-enter. Like whenever you guys do settle down, you'll have this whole other perspective of how much or how little you actually really need. Yes. I hope I hope so. Yes. He's worried. He's like, once you have a house, you're gonna fill it with everything. <laughs> we do have a storage unit that uh, a 10 by 10 storage unit with all of our stuff. And it's in Arizona. And we've been back to Arizona like three times since we started. And every time I'm like, I just need to go visit my things. <laughs> just need to say hi. Well, where can folks find you online and tell us about um, the course that, that you've you've just released it, right? Is it live? It's really close. <laughs> Almost. And maybe by the time this is published, it will be live. Yes, hope so. I'm, I'm working hard on the last, the last little unit. Um, so you mentioned at the beginning, I've been a blogger for almost 12 years. That website is called Shaping Up to Be a Mom, shapinguptobeamom.com. That one's more focused on um, family, home, and you. So it's making busy moms' lives easier and happier. So all kinds of parenting topics fun kids activities, holiday related stuff, like self-care tutorials, stuff like that. Um, and I started to write about travel on there, but then when I started my new site, I moved the travel stuff and I'm kind of still in the process of doing that. But all my travel stuff's gonna be on the new site, which is familygapyearguide, familygapyearguide.com. And the course is also called Family Gap Your Guide. Um, and if you, to access the course, you can go to familygapyearguide.com and in the top, navigation bar it says the course and that that'll take you there um, and the course is basically teaching regular families how to take their life on the road and do exactly as we did so there's a whole unit on I mean everything you need to know is in this course the last time I counted I think there were 85 lessons so it's it's about you know making the decision and what are going to be the challenges of this lifestyle, and then planning out your route and where do you stay? How do you? There's a whole section on financials. How do you budget for this? There's a whole section on getting ready to go. Everything you need to like all the details to tie up at home. 
and then um, packing. There's an entire unit just on packing, what to bring, how to pack it up, how to pack your bag, how to pack your car. Um, and then and then there's two sections that kind of go hand in hand. One is life on the road. So it's kind of everyday life. A lot of the things we talked about setting a routine when you're, you know, in a different place every month. And then the other section is on like exploring the world, like how to find those really cool places in every location you visit. Um, you know, go to the top tourist attractions, but also find these cool hidden off the beaten path type things. Um, and then there's an entire section on road schooling, um, talking about uh, kind of everything we talked about today, like our system for homeschooling um, and road schooling, which is basically just homeschooling on the road and then pulling in those unique uh, things that you find when you're actually visiting different locations. Um, and then there's a uh, there's going to be a traveling overseas section as soon as it, there can be. And then a bonus section that's got like some fun downloads, podcasts for kids, and a principal travel journal, and some really fun things. So it, and it'll teach you everything you know, A to Z. It's wrapping up my hours and hours of figuring it out for ourselves all into one. I love it. You've already figured it all out, made all the mistakes. You can tell us all the things to do and not do. <laughs> Definitely. All the things not to bring. <laughs> And I will have all of those links up in the show notes at humilityanddoxology.com when this post or this interview goes live. So that will be easy for people to click through. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. And now I just like need to go get on the road. I feel all inspired to go travel. Definitely. Well, it's been so fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening in on this week's homeschool conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.